The in-season tournament quarterfinals are set and we'll run down all of the matchups. Plus, who's the tournament favorite? And Mark Cuban is selling the Mavs. It's the Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your usual co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Filling in two weeks in a row for the ownership changes. They call me in out of the bullpen. Tony East from Locked On Pacers on Twitter at Tony R. East. Jake, I'm, I'm in season tournament pill, baby. I love it. I, so I love the in-season tournament. We're going to talk about that for the first two segments here. We got the quarterfinals. We had an awesome game that was riveting between the Kings and the Warriors that we like. We couldn't even record till the game ended because there were stakes on a potential blowout if they didn't win by enough. We were caring about this. Tony, it's what time for you right now? One <laughs> fifteen in the morning. Yeah, and you're probably so excited to be talking about this here on Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday to a rotating cast of hosts covering the biggest stories around the association. And look, the in-season tournament, you and I talked about this last week. Tyrese Halliburton even said it last week. If you're an everyday or you heard us discussing this, the in-season tournament's a success, right? Like this was kind of a pretty fun night of games for everything. I predicted this after the very first group stage game that the last night would be awesome because every team's path to advancing or to a better scenario or whatever would be obvious, right? Because all, all these other games have been played, so you can know what's ahead of you, right? The Knicks knew they had to win by 20-whatever if they wanted to make it into the wild card spot. Well, guess what? They were hosting the Hornets, so they did it. They won by 24. They kicked their butt. The Bucks knew they had to win what normally would be a tough game in the regular season in Miami. To, to have the one seed, and they did it. And now they have the easiest first-round game in the East, although New York's playing pretty good. The Cavs had to win by a lot to have a chance. They won by 23. The Nets had to win to have a chance. They didn't make it, but they won. The Celtics had to win by a lot to have a chance. And they won. Like, you can go down the line, and every game tonight, someone had stakes and tried to ha- or had to step up. The only teams that didn't quite pull it off were Houston, and I think OKC was already eliminated. And then that led to an awesome finale. Like, high stakes, important differential, so 48-minute games. It was awesome. I think it's a resounding success, and the players clearly care. Look, it's a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning for you, technically, and we were so excited to stay up and watch this. We couldn't record yep. till we knew the final score. This is what the NBA wanted with this. It, the point is not for the fans necessarily. It's just to make these games matter more, right? The Golden State Warriors had to win by 28 or more, and they would have hosted the Pelicans in the quarterfinals of this. You know, they were up by 24 in the first half of this game. Imagine, you know, it was played in Sacramento, but imagine if it was like in the the Chase Arena, Chase Center, whatever it's called, right? It, Golden State. Their fans wouldn't have left early, even yeah. if they were up 20, knowing that they needed to win by 28 to host the next game. And it would have just elevated the stakes. It would have kept fans there. I was riveted by this game. At one point, they're up 24. And it's like, well, I don't need to pay attention. But it's like, oh, wait, I do. They need four more points. Are they going to be able to pull this off? This is exactly what the NBA wanted to do, which was just make these regular season games, which they are, matter a little bit more and it's fun by the way the the quarterfinals for anyone who hasn't seen it yet is suns at lakers pelicans at kings knicks at bucks and celtics at pacers other than the pacers game given you cover them what's the matchup you like the most (laughs) 
Yeah, just big picture on that, first of all, with absolutely no offense to either the Pelicans or the Kings, who both are in the bracket because they deserve it. I think it's awesome that one of them is guaranteed to be in Vegas, right? Because yeah. it's possible. The Small other, market team. It's possible that it's Boston, Milwaukee, and then either Lakers or Suns, right? And they're all mm-hmm. in the in the inner circle of teams that you could say. If they won the championship, you wouldn't be surprised. But the Pelicans and Kings, if they won the championship, you'd go, oh, wow. That's surprising. So the fact that, especially in a win or go home scenario, there's going to be like a darling, for lack of a better term, that's great, right? That more good things yeah. in the NBA from this tournament. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean the Pacers lost to the Celtics by 51 earlier this season, so that wouldn't even have been my answer anyway. <laughs> if this was the case, uh, I, as a dork and the person born in the year I was born, I'm going to be gravitated towards KD versus LeBron. I think that's going to be an awesome game. I think Suns-Lakers is going to be so much fun. I've already played this season, and it was a blast, even though I believe Booker and Beal didn't play in that game. doesn't sound like Beal's going to be back anytime soon. Uh, but the Suns are rolling right now, and the Lakers obviously have gone undefeated in this group thing. And LeBron just recently said they need to make some changes after they got smoked by Philly. So uh, I think that game will have the most intrigue for me personally just because they have a good matchup of styles. There's good star power in that game. The role players have been fun. There's just a lot that can happen in that game that I personally think I'll really enjoy. No, that's a great way to put it, I think. You know, again, it's star power, right? There's stakes to it. You know, can LeBron elevate the team, something like that? You know, I'm actually pretty excited for like Pacers Celtics. You know, I was gushing last week with you about Tyrese Halliburton. The Pacers are, I think, like everyone's darling in the NBA right now with the offense that they have. You know, we'll talk about the Celtics and maybe the Suns next in the in the next segment about who's the tournament favorite. But like a high-powered offense with a star player who wants to win this thing, right? Does Tyrese Halliburton have what it takes to basically like will the Pacers pass the Celtics maybe that seems pretty cool I love your point though about kind of like an underdog darling team right it's kind of reminiscent a little bit of like March Madness that if you don't really care about any of the teams in here are you actually maybe rooting for like the 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 Pelicans or the Kings or maybe even the Pacers too to like kind of upset a team and everyone's going to lose their collective minds over that sort of thing like I don't know man this whole thing has been fun the courts have been fun to me I just love that it makes these games matter more and as you said the players care very clearly the coaches care it, clearly they're going to be running this back next year and probably expanding it and yep. to some degree you would imagine yeah some tweaks definitely will be coming like i feel for the Cavs a little bit i saw justin rowan who does the, the chase down podcast for the Cavs, tweet about this like the Cavs just went three and one their only loss was the very first game to the pacers and they have a plus 29 and they don't make it right so like they lost the first game and were effectively out of it right then, even though they played well the rest of the game. So, like, somehow making it possible to overcome a bad start, I think, is something the NBA might look to change. Although, it's not the Cavs' fault. Like, other teams played better than them, right? It's just that does suck for, like, the flow of how those games went. But either way, yeah, slam dunk product. It's, it's fantastic. All the games tonight were amazing. I'm a little gutted. Also, okay, I have two more things responding to what you just said. I have a lot of energy for the in-season tournament. One, yeah. Good, like, bring it, man. That's what every, we want on the podcast here. Every Sweet 16 – Right. There's a St. Peter's or fairly Dickinson or whoever in the NCAA. Yeah. And every, everyone's rooting for that team. Right. Except for the literal fans of the team they're playing against. Because it's cool. It's just cool. You never see these teams play. It's really exciting. Everybody's talking about it. Right. So that's awesome. And I'm not yeah. saying the Kings and Pelicans are like on that level, obviously. But just because you don't I mean, know they're not, them. not on that level. But <laughs> it's just fun. Let's and cool. be realistic here. I cover I'm also one a little gutted for the Kings because the Warriors beat them in a series last year where they're kryptonite earlier last season and this season clay hit the big three against them and like broke their hearts over the season they finally overcome the giant sick comeback took them the whole second half to do it slow drip 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 of a comeback 
It's not even our leading story because the end season tournament rocks that much, Jake. I'm hyped up. They also get like the worst matchup possible for them in the Pelicans who just <laughs> beat them in back-to-back games, essentially, including one by like near 40 points. And they just don't match up well with the Pels. So it's like you get over the hump of like your your arch rival in a sense here. And you're like, oh, we run into the one team that maybe like is the worst possible matchup for us here. So oh, I'm cool with it, but I'm a little biased when it comes to something like that. Like, no, this has been fun. I was really skeptical about the point differential at first, like really skeptical. Um, was it Jason Tatum who was talking about the point differential yeah. the other day and was like, I hate it. Works. And then it, it works. It makes this so, I, I'm rooting for like a 20, I actually wanted to, you know, the Pelicans to play the Kings. So I'm like, cool, win by 27 or something like that or, or win by 11 and the Kings would have advanced. So all of it was just kind of wild with the different permutations of everything, I think. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Like, like I, I had this dreamed up scenario where the Warriors were like down third or were up like 11 and had the ball in the last possession. So they're going so hard to try to score so they can make yeah. the quarterfinals, right? Like, that'd be so fun. Or the inverse where the Kings like desperately need a bucket to lose by 11. Yeah, the point differential turned out interesting. I think my new working theory is there's a cap, right? If no matter how okay. much, if you win by more than 10, it's 10 or something like that. Just so it's like, that's an interesting like, idea. That's what DeRozan and Tatum are annoyed about. And they're right to kind of be like, we're down by 30. Like, come on, what are we doing? Like, but they have to because it matters for advancing. So if there was a cap for every team and it would make the last day guaranteed to be more interesting because the numbers would be smaller and closer. Uh, and they're trying to copy a soccer format and in soccer it works so well because the goal differences every game is like, one, two, or three. Yeah, it's not not it's not like 28, 29. Like, where you're yeah. Like, so I think a cap would be interesting. Either way, yeah, the point differential mattered in like a lot of games tonight. It was very cool. It was very fun. All of them. It could have mattered for the, the Pelicans and Suns for the wild card, where if the Pels had two more points, it would have been a big difference, I think, or three more points, because I think they were behind the Suns by like two. Like all this stuff mattered. It's just cool. Like again, I think this is maybe a little bit for like hardcore NBA fans, like NBA nerds. Like this isn't gonna get the casual fan going of like, oh, 27 versus 28 point win. I don't know. It's still kind of fun. Like people listening to the show, like let us know in the comments down below on YouTube. Do you like the point differential? Were you following along with the score? Or even in a blowout to see if it was going to end up being and this game ended up being close but yeah i think we both agree the in-season tournament big success here so coming up next though let's talk a little bit more who's the favorite celtics is it going to be another team that's coming up here next in today's episode of locked on nba Right now, though, I'm going to tell you about eBay Motors because our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week on eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. You got Jaden Ivey. His level of play has improved since joining the starting lineup. And with the Pistons going nowhere, surely they're going to continue to invest in him. He should get a lot of minutes, a lot of buckets. Gordon Hayward, if he was dropped in your league, you should grab him right now that LaMelo Ball is out with an ankle injury. You also have Scoot Henderson. 
It's going to be rocky for a bit, but Scoot is back and his value and minutes are going to rise. If you can afford some bad games, he's worth grabbing. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. I work on all my cars. I have a current Jeep that is my daily driver. I have a 1976 Corvette that I'm working on. It needs constant parts. There's nothing worse than ordering a part online, taking out an old part, putting in the new one, and realizing it doesn't fit. Now, that part's going to come out. The car's not driving for a while. I'm wasting time. I'm wasting money. It's a mess. eBay Motors fixes that. With over 122 million parts for your vehicle, you can make sure your vehicle is running smoothly. You just want to upgrade it, make it look cooler. They got brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers. Whatever your vehicle needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, which is what I love the most, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at the prices they're offering you, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. Keep your vehicle on the road at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, for your second listen, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. Tony and I love the in-season tournament. Tony, what was your hot take that you said before we started recording? If you don't love the in-season tournament, you don't like the you don't like the NBA. You don't like basketball. Can I take the Kings line after the Demarcus Cousins dunk? If you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. There you go. There you go. Tony, that could have been the real or fake today. Actually, like <laughs> that would have been fun. But we're gonna play real fake because we do that every Wednesday here. So this one's pretty simple. We got eight teams left. Real or fake, Tony? The Celtics are the current favorite to win the in-season tournament. Real. Real. I might I might be a little bit gravitated towards the Celtics' success because, like I said earlier, I had to watch this game yes. twice. They beat the Pacers by 51. That was a lot. It was uh, the most threes they've made in the game for like 30-something years. They did a lot, of, a lot of stuff they haven't done in a long time. But even outside of that, I've watched more of the Celtics than that. They look very good. Um, it's not just that they look good. They have the best net rating in the NBA. At 9.7. In fact, we're one of only four teams above plus six. The other three are not in the bracket part of the tournament. It's Philly, Minnesota, and Oklahoma City. So in terms of just net rating and what they've done this season, they're head and shoulders above the rest of the field. The next best net rating team, ironically, in the field is the Knicks, which I never would have guessed. Obviously, we're a little bit of a small sample size theater here. But I think the Celtics have been the best team in the league, and that will carry into this. They don't have the hardest first-round game with absolutely – no offense to the Pacers, who have played well, especially in these games. They already have dispatched that team very easily. They beat the Bucks already. Like, they're just really good. Maybe they'll play the Knicks, and that it could be tough. They beat the Knicks already, too, I believe. So I think they're the favorite, although I think that you could make an argument for almost any team for some – like, duh, they're good teams. They did well in their group. But I think you can make an argument for almost any team for some reason, right? The Pels are playing awesome now. The Kings with Fox back have been good. The Suns and Lakers, I don't need to make the argument. The Bucks and Celtics, I don't. The Pacers haven't lost in these games. They get way up for these in-season tournament games. And obviously the Knicks are still tough. They got Tibbs. And any night that defense can get you. I mean, I, you could really make an argument for any team. But, yes, I would pick the Celtics over the field right now. So I'm going to go fake. Ooh. I'm going to go fake. Ooh. I'm going to go with 
the Milwaukee Bucks in this. They're they're on a streak right now. What they've won eight out of their last nine, something like that. You're starting to see Giannis and Dame, you know, start to coexist, look a whole lot better. Giannis was good in his game here as they won to advance. And look, man. Dame time's a thing. We got a hand motion in everything for it. I can't do it because I'm holding a mic here, but you need like a clutch bucket. You know, I, I you're looking to him. Maybe you're looking to Devin Booker too, I guess, in this after the game winner he had the other night, which was ridiculous. But I look at that and I go, okay, if they're going to start to get it together, and Giannis, you could argue, is still the best player in the league, maybe the best player in the tournament, you know, since Jokic isn't in there and Bede's not in there at this point. I think that can take them a really long way. Dame to close him out. I think is a big thing. Um, I agree with you that, that, you know, to any extent you could almost argue, right? Like are the Pelicans or the Kings going to have kind of that like small market? No one believes in us. We're not supposed <laughs> to be here. Like momentum and ride a Cinderella story. LeBron's still LeBron. How, how do you feel about the Suns in this one? Pretty good. Now that Booker's back, they've been fantastic. You know what this is going to remind me of, right? You probably know this picture. We probably know this picture uniquely compared to anyone. The draft in 2019 and they have Zion Williamson and Goga Batadze doing media at the same time. And everybody, <laughs> everybody's on stand and Goga's just sitting by himself looking over. That's what, if it's Lakers and either the Pelicans or the Kings from the West, that's what it's going to feel like <laughs> for the underdog story. It's going to be quite funny. This, yeah, Booker has like all he's concerned about the Suns point guard play. Like Booker's alleviated all of them. He's been such a good handler. Yeah. He can pass a little bit. It takes the pressure off of KD so he can play better defense during the game. And he kind of connects everything, right? He makes life easier for Nurkic. He makes life easier for their shooters. He himself is unbelievable on the move, on the catch, wherever. And Eric Gordon has stepped up. He's had two huge games for them this week, too. So they're really clicking. And I think having booked, like even without Beal, I think just booking KD is probably the best duo in this thing left. So. Yeah. That would be the argument for them, especially if Booker keeps playing like this. I mean, they might be my favorite in the West. So, uh, you know, they match up pretty well with the Lakers, too. Like, who's going to guard? No one can guard Booker, obviously. But, like, who are they going to That's what it feels like, right? No one can guard the stars. I hate that phrase, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yes. Also, that was a ridiculous game winner he had the other night. When he gets going like that, like, what are you going to do when a player is playing at that sort of level? Like, I'd probably rank him, I think, like... Milwaukee is my favorite, I think, here. And like Celtic Suns tied maybe for like second, I think seems realistic when it comes down to it. Again, star players, you know, with the Bucks, with the Suns, and then like complete team with the Boston Celtics. Part of me kind of hopes to, yeah, I agree that those three would be my top three, I think, now that the Bucks are look like a team again and not just like a (laughs) bunch of talented players who've never seen each other before. Um, and so that helps a lot. They have a new coach too. There's a lot of reasons they look like that, but now they don't, they look like good. Brooke Lopez has been a lot better on both ends for them recently, which helps quite a bit. Middleton can play more minutes. So I think those would be my top three too. I mean, look, LeBron and AD, like you can never just LeBron and AD. And I think now that we've been talking about this for this amount of time, part of me, just given what the history of the NBA is, thinks it'd be really cool. If it was a Lakers Celtics final, that would be, a great way to get people to dive in. Like the two most storied franchises meeting in the first final would be pretty sweet, even though I don't necessarily think the Lakers have the easiest path. They don't match up necessarily well with any of the teams in this, so we'll see. No, I agree. Also, like really, you're going to call it the first final? That's a weird way to like phrase it. <laughs> what would you call it? The I first mean, in, 
<laughs> Good point. You're right. Season tournament that. championship <laughs> game. Like I don't know if I can call it the first I final. I oversold that a little. It's, you've got the tree behind you that sounds like very like holiday season. The first final or something. The NBA is like writing that, right? checks to call it the finals. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I did have a friend when I, I, I was out with a couple friends the other night and we were talking about this and I was like, look, I love the courts. Like I love everything about the in-season tournament. I also like geek out on basketball. And one of my buddies was like, oh, okay. You getting checks from the NBA to like sell this. And I was like, Tyrese Halliburton said he liked it, man. Did you see the game he had the other night? And he's like, yeah, he's pushing the company line of let's make this a thing. And I'm like, I don't know about that. If, if the games were just like, normal run-of-the-mill crappy regular season games it wouldn't matter what they said the reason it matters is because the games have been really good it's been good like everything about this has been yes. good it feels different having like been in the arena for two of these games like there it just feels different in there doesn't it like i think fans seem to pick up on it even casual fans you see the weird court and like well this isn't what it normally is right even if they don't yeah, they get it on their phone from their seat and figure it out it, well it's just even then they were like I don't know what this is, but clearly the stakes are a little bit higher and this is kind of cool. So like I should be into it in some capacity, right? Like, yeah, I like that. I don't know. The whole thing's been like a big success. I hate the courts, but I love the whole rest of it. So good job. Hate the red courts. Hate the red courts. We talked about this last week. I, I don't, I don't I know. need to rant too much about the courts again. I am a hater. We're just doing the same show. It's great. Let's make <laughs> our lives easier here. Cool. Speaking of doing the same show, an owner news came up let's talk about that coming up here next in today i'm a pro in today's episode of locked on nba right now though i'm excited to tell you about fanduel america's number one sports book because as the weather gets colder the nfl and nba offers stay hot on fanduel and right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you're betting on one of the in-season tournament games, you pick the money line, they win, you win your $5 bet, and you get 150 bucks in bonus bets. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and it lets me find all of the betting options I'm looking for, like the spreads, the player props, the over-unders. You can even bet the NBA futures of the in-season tournament winner here, or go with a same-game parlay to make your payout even more so visit fanduel.com slash locked on kick off the nfl action that you want to get involved in tip off the nba action that you want to get into as well fanduel official partner of the nfl and the official sports book of locked on and thank you for making locked on nba your first listen today and every day we are here monday through friday breaking down everything you want to know about the association rotating casa host here me jake madison host of locked on pelicans along with tony east host a locked on pacers become an everydayer listen monday through friday support the show that way and never miss anything going on around the league and we got more owner news because of course we do which is what happened last week where we talked about James Dolan. This one was a shock, though. Big. I was yeah. legitimately surprised when I saw this come across from Shams or Woj, whoever it was, of ESPN, saying, oh, by the way, Mark Cuban is selling a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Adelson and Casino Tycoon Adelson family for evaluation of the franchise in the range of $3.5 billion. But Cuban is also going to keep shares in the team and have full control and basically run the Mavs. What was your initial reaction to this? It's crazy. Uh, selling a team in the middle of 
a season like this, there was really no buzz that this was happening. Like an hour before, I saw some tweet from like a an SEC filing that she was going to mm-hmm. be buying a significant stake of an A Sports team. But like Cuban is, you know, very involved. The, in the face Mavs. of the Mavs, like. Right. And so what part of think? why I think this is plausible, well, I just cut you off. I'm sorry. And you did kind of allude to it earlier, but is that he, I even read a story about this. Like at the beginning of the month, he was talking to some news outlet about adding casinos and betting to the Dallas scene. Right. So this maybe has been in the works for, I mean, obviously it's a billion dollar purchase. It's been in the works for a little bit, but for a, a minute and Cuban knows like, and I think this is part of it. Mark Stein's been all over this, right? He's boots on the ground in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, has, has talked about you know this being maybe part of an arena um, thing as well, where there could be. Uh, let, let me read him exactly so I don't mess this up. Mark Stein says Cuban, who turned sixty-five in July, has been saying for years he hopes to someday build a new arena in Dallas with a casino attached. Well, hey, this is the perfect way to do it, and it's the perfect agreement to me for the guy Mark Cuban is. He can still run the stuff he wants to run. While someone else with the business savvy side of that stuff he wants to add can come in and do that too. So yeah, he's not the controlling owner anymore, but it seems like a good agreement for him, which is why this got out kind of the way it did to me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, if you looked at Forbes valuation of the team, it was more than three and a half billion. I think it was like four, four and a half. Yep. So it seems like he sold the majority stake of the team at like a discount to really get kind of a, like strategic part. It's like a shark tank deal, right? Is basically what he did here to get the right, like strategic partner. It feels like, come on. I'm surprised you didn't make that joke. Like early on. That was great. I can't believe I didn't make that joke either. I mean, this is what it is, right? This seems like something he would do. He still runs the team. So he more or less like keeps his toy, right? And can keep doing what he does. Cause he very clearly loves owning an NBA team, going to the meetings, being an NBA owner. Right. But when you sell the majority of it, it's no longer yours, but if you have an agreement in place, where you get all the perks of it, then you get the cash and then you're going to get to do all the other things that you want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's still weird. It's like weird that like eventually you feel he might get pushed out or something like that yeah. when you don't control the majority of the shares you're, when you're not the managing partner, even though he is, you know, there's still ways for him to kind of get booted out of a team that's more or less synonymous with him, I think, at this point, right? Like I can't kind of split the two. Like I don't even remember the Mavs from a time before he owned them and why would you? So that part's a little weird. It makes me like nervous because I think the NBA is better with Cuban in it and he's brought in a lot of even the three-sided shot clock essentially was like his thing for people to see that all around the court like little things like that that you don't think about are like important that he's brought to the league so it's it's super weird but it also says like kind of the next frontier of this right like he wants to be on the cutting edge of everything it's going to be way more sports gambling sports betting very much intertwined not just with the nba but any league so he's been good for a lot of the league and that he pumps money into it but uh he's created by a lot of reporting, a pretty bad culture. Actually, that's a very good point. No, I'm glad you brought that up. That's like really worth mentioning when it comes to everything. They have had some awful treatment of women in the past, which has been well documented and reported to stick on the subject. We're currently talking about though. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think like the kind of guy he is, both what we can see on shark tank and from like the way he talks about his businesses and, and the way he runs them, like he wants to still be involved and run stuff. Right. And so I think this allows him to be who he is and do do something that he likes while also giving him more money <laughs> to do the things that he likes, which is a big part of it. 
I will say this. So, like, if it's if he's selling the majority of the stake and they're valuing the franchise at 3.5, he's not getting 3.5. He's going to oh, be no. getting less than that, whatever the majority. You know, if he's selling 51%, he's getting... 1.75 billion his net worth is in the six billions does he need the cash necessarily that's what i always kind of like wonder about when it comes to, you gotta have a lot of backing huh? what was that casinos are expensive man you gotta have a lot of backing yeah i get i don't know but are they gonna do it could you find investors for that sort of thing it's always like one of those things right there there's always been talking to Orleans of like will gail benson sell the pelicans and like I don't know if she has 300 million in the bank. Does she need more cash necessarily? Like that should be good enough to almost buy anything that you want. I would imagine. So that's where this looks a little bit weird. I saw people making jokes that he's going to be running for president. Maybe there's a bylaw in the NBA that your your NBA governors can't be the president of the United States as well. We'll see with everything. But look, he's been he's owned him since 2000, I believe. So it's a 23 year run that he's had and he'll still kind of be doing everything, but it's just like genuinely surprising to see that. I agree. And I think Brennan clean, our luck on Suns host proposed an interesting question. We kind of alluded to the answer or at least what is the currently perceived answer already is like, how did the, how did the Suns get sold at a way higher valuation? Like in mm-hmm. the past, right? Cause these values are supposed to be going up. I think Cuban was one of the ones who said something about the TV deals. Like, he thinks the next one will be big, and then after that, it's going to be a lot of question marks, like with the change of consumer streaming habits and stuff like that. So, of course, that's interesting to me on like how he went if he's deciding to get out with any sort of specific timing. But it is interesting that the valuation is lower, and maybe that's just because he agreed to that valuation to do the stuff we've already talked about—to be the guy in charge, to be around yeah. all the time, owning a sports team. If you're involved, pretty fun, <laughs> pretty fun game. It seems cool. Wouldn't wouldn't hate doing that myself? It's right? a pretty fun job. So. Um, I think that could be part of it, but that that's a lot of money for for that kind of arrangement. So I think there might be more that we don't maybe fully know about this. Yeah, this will probably be a developing story. Certainly, they're going to be talking about it over at the Locked On Mavericks podcast. I know the rest of our hosts here will be talking about it on the Locked On NBA podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up tomorrow, Nick Angstad, Pat the Designer, breaking down the biggest stories. I'll probably touch on this as well with Nick being the Locked On Mavs guy. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Tony East, Locked On Pacers, and happy to be here to be the NBA owner's insider, apparently, every Wednesday, baby. And in-season tournament expert. Don't forget that either. All right. Appreciate y'all listening. See y'all next week. 